Hello and welcome to Hoop Sevens Basketball Hustle for another week. And once again, we've got no shortage of things to talk about from the world of the NBL. It was a massive round 14 of action. We saw really good wins for a lot of the top teams. Melbourne United, Perth Wildcats, Illawarra Hawks, Sydney Kings, all, all impressive. Now we've got a round 15 to look forward to, which includes Melbourne United playing both the Perth Wildcats and the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. We saw some interesting shooting across the weekend, though. Some drama involving some of the other teams and including some big name potential potential recruits that might still pop into the league. And we'll catch up with a former co-host of Hoop7's Basketball Hustle when Damien Martin joins us as well. So that's going to give us plenty to talk about. I'm Chris Pike. Looking forward to catching up with my co-host again right now, who unfortunately finds himself in isolation. Cody Ellis, thanks for joining me. Yeah, we get to that point where sort of there's around that 10 games left for, left for most teams, so it's the business end. But before we get to basketball talk, Cody, um, how's isolation treating you? I think Lauren and Chase might be starting to get sick of the sight of you, are they? And it probably means a week off training as the season gets closer, as we talked about last week for the, the Warwick Senators. going to ask we spoke spoke last week about if potentially you might actually get to see your head coach for the first time Luke Brennan and and you did get to have one session with him or two Yep, absolutely. Um, nah, so let's hope the rest of this isolation period goes well for you, Cody. And and next week, we we hope you're, you're back to normal and we're both together, but we're making making do for this week. And we're going to catch up with Damien Martin, the man who you replaced, and we got an upgrade here on the show with our, our new co-host. But you looking forward to having a chat with, with Damo? It will. So we'll get to him shortly. But before we do that, Plenty to get through from this last round of NBL action, Cody. Before we actually talk about some of the ramifications for what we saw on the court, 
It's great to see how far the NBL has gone with embracing Indigenous round. And, you know, the artwork on the jerseys is fantastic. The The artwork on the basketball they're using for this round is fantastic. But it's it's just how far they're embracing Indigenous culture, both Aboriginal Torres Strait Islanders and the Maori culture from those that are from New Zealand. They're doing a lot of great work. And I know you were part of the sort of formative stages there in Illawarra, but you must you must be really happy with how far it's come. Fantastic. I mean, the artwork on on all of them was terrific, but some just some of the colours as well. I mean, that that yeah. that Phoenix Phoenix jersey with that green was was just brilliant. Even the breakers in red. It was strange seeing them in red, but it was a really striking 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 design. And I like the Illawarra Hawks probably almost better than all of the rest. The biggest part of it is that you can see how much it means to the players that have some sort of an Indigenous link. And I spoke to Keanu Pinder about how much it meant to him and, and he was just so excited about embracing it and, and he loved the chance in their pre-season when they they were led by Nate Joe. I went up to a on a trip as a team to, to up his hometown and, and Keanu talked about how he would love to take his teammates up to Derby at some point and show how, how he used to live and... And we heard Bawali Bales talk about how much it meant to him as well. And for it to be a sign that there's a future there for an Indigenous player, you can make a career out of basketball and there's some real role models there for them to look up to now. That's probably the biggest biggest thing to come out of it. Even on a local level, your connection at the Warwick Senators, you've got you do a lot of fantastic work with the indigenous youngsters coming through there too. Absolutely. Um, 
As for the action on the court, Cody, before we talk about some of the games in round 14, are you willing to say right now that it's probably just a battle in five for for those top four playoff spots? I mean, you look at the records, Melbourne United on top at 13-4, and four, South East Melbourne 11-6, and six, Perth Wildcats 10-6, and six, Illawarra 11-7, and seven, and the Sydney Kings 11-7. and seven. There's then a three-game break back to Tasmania, and then it drops off further from there. Is it a race in five? Will be. I mean, there's going to be one of those. One of those five teams has to miss out. I mean, the Perth Wildcats playoff streak is not guaranteed of continuing. Sure will be. Okay, let me run through the results quickly of round 14 and then we can dig a bit deeper into them. So it started Friday night and the Adelaide 36ers, this was a lot of fun because simply of the Mitch Creek and, and Daniel Johnson battle, but the Phoenix were too good for the 36ers, winning 83-76. to 76. And on Saturday we had a couple of games. Firstly, probably just about the ugliest game we saw of the season so far, but the, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers got the job done beating the New Zealand Breakers 66-62. to Next up on Saturday, Melbourne United. Too much depth in the end for the Brisbane Bullets, 95-83. to Then on Sunday, Perth Wildcats, too good for Adelaide 36ers, 92-73. to Sydney Kings kept kept their form going, beating the Cairns Taipans, 98-88. to The South East Melbourne Phoenix then lost to the Illawarra Hawks at home. This was a big result. The Hawks winning 83-77. to And then on on Monday Monday night, another another not not pretty from a Breakers point of view. The Brisbane Brisbane, Brisbane Bullets ninety two winners over the Breakers seventy four. Um, let's start with the Sydney Kings again, Cody. We talked about Xavier Cooks and Jalen Adams last week and and how well they're going. They probably got even better again after that game against Cairns. Is that the best one two punch in the league right now? But he's also now also the putback slams on the offensive rebounds is he is now becoming a trademark of his too. Yep. Um, 
it's been a lot of fun. Oh, it's so, it's so much fun. And their, their performance against the Taipans, Cooks finished with 23 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists and, and 5 blocks. Jalen Adams, another 21 points, 4 assists. And, and when his three balls falling, as we've talked about, he's pretty much unstoppable. So he went 5 of 7 from 3. But just on Xavier Cooks, I mean... It's only his body that's let him down the last couple of years. And, you know, it was only back in 2019 when, before he got injured, he was named in the Boomers team for the World Cup. So he's been highly regarded for a long time. But if he keeps this up, there's been a lot of talk about this lately. Could you see him in the NBA this time next year? He sure does. Um, maybe the the most fun one-on-one battle of the weekend was back on Friday in Adelaide when two old teammates, Mitch Creek and DJ, went went at it. They they thrived on the on the matchup against each other. They trash talked each other all night, and in the end, the Phoenix got the win just because Mitch Creek had a bit more help than DJ did. But you know, Mitch finished with twenty nine points, seven rebounds, five assists, shot twelve of eighteen, and DJ thirty one points, eight rebounds. Four assists. He shot ten of thirteen as well. Four or five from three. That was a that was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, another person I wanted to get your thoughts on, I think we all thought Mikhail McIntosh, what we saw from him in the first half of the season was that he almost looked like a player out of his depth in the NBL and yep. it was tough to see what his real strengths were because he, he was getting in foul trouble a lot and wasn't proving himself a good defender. He couldn't really find a way to score. He couldn't shoot the ball and he didn't really look like he, he was a, a fit at all. All of a sudden, over the last five games, he's... He's just about been the best player for the Jack Jumpers, and and that game on Saturday where both teams were shooting the ball absolutely horribly. I think they combined for what was it, eight of sixty from three point land, but between the Jack Jumpers and the Breakers, McIntosh was the difference. And I'm not sure why, why or how he's turned it around, but he certainly has. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a remarkable turnaround, and I, I'm happy for him. He seems like a genuinely good guy, and he seems like he's embraced being there a lot. It was just a matter of finding his feet, and I guess staying out of foul trouble and just finding a way to play in this league, and he's certainly done that. But we touched on the shooting in that game. It was a trend right across the weekend, and I, I've got no idea why it was, but I'm interested to get your thoughts, because across the weekend, um, well, firstly, across the whole season, teams are shooting over 32% from three, but this weekend they went... 94 of 338, so under 28%. Some of the games were pretty horrible, including that one against the between the Jack Jumpers and the Breakers. But um, we also saw, um, you know, 15 to 56 in the game between the Phoenix and the Hawks as well on on Sunday, which was, you know, it was still a thrilling finish. It was still a great game, but neither team shot the ball particularly well. Um, any theories behind why, or was it just one of those coincidences? The new balls wouldn't have made a difference, do you think? Right, it was it was it was big big Jack Perry who came onto the floor and yeah. and he hit a three just about as soon as he stepped onto the floor. It was, it was amazing. He broke their duck. I think they were they were zero of eighteen before that. And two players that didn't have a tr- have a problem shooting were Bryce Cotton and Todd Blanchfield in that win for the Wildcats against the the Thirty Sixes on on Sunday as well. And gee, it was good to see Blanche catch fire again. He's been he's had a quiet couple of weeks, but you know he hit four of those threes all in that first quarter. And and it's fun to see. I mean, they're a different team. We know how good Bryce and Vic are, but if they've got that third scoring option, they're they're very tough to stop. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it really does. And that was an interesting game as well. Kind of felt like Adelaide was never never, never in the game. They Perth started 15-2. and two, um, The 36ers without Cam Bairstow, which which was a big blow after he, he got hurt on, on Friday night as well. And, and then his replacement in the starting starting lineup, Kai Soto, got hurt early as well. So they, they went very small. Um, I know they didn't have their coach, CJ Bruden, but Jamie Pellman did what he could. But I, to me... I don't know if it sets the right the right trend for the game when you have both imports starting on the bench and then you and then you start like they did horribly and even when Dusty Henders and Todd Withers come on the floor they're they're trying to play catch up. I I kind of feel like they they missed the boat just right from the start in that game. And we will talk about um, their potential replacement as well, who's certainly not a big if it's the man that we hear it's, go- yeah. it's going to be. But I want to I ask you about Dusty Hannes because I actually think he's playing well. I know he might be a liability at times defensively, and that might be why he's getting no faith shown in him by the coaches. But in a game where they needed someone to come out and catch fire, someone who could match this, the shooting that Cotton and, and Blanchford were giving, he played less than 15 minutes in that game. He actually played okay. He was... 10 points, 5 or 10 shooting, but to only play 15 minutes when he's actually playing well and, and you've lost two of your your big minutes players in Soto and Besto, I, I just don't get it.
yeah, you would think so. And at five and at five and eleven now, um, what have I got to lose? So I mean, just just let him loose. I would have thought, but we'll wait and see. Another positive out of the weekend was some of the performance of the next stars. Probably the only positive right now for the New Zealand Breakers is the form for the last couple of weeks of Osman Deng. I mean, we saw him early in the season and and perhaps similar to Mikhail McIntosh, he looked like he wasn't ready for playing in the NBL. He looked out of his depth, but he's now finding his feet. He's finding his confidence. He's found his shot as well. We know how athletic he is, so he's playing really well. Tom Digba got a couple of more minutes for the bullets and showed some good signs, but um, Ariel Hogporty, he's now, speaking of finding his feet, he's... He's now the perfect backup option to Joe Luala Jewel there for Melbourne and Matson. As your two five men, that's pretty that's pretty imp- impressive and and intimidating. And the other one I wanted to touch on was Justin Ian Jessup. He's now an all round package. We saw him last year, and if he wasn't shooting, he really offered nothing. But he's now a pretty pretty handy all round player. He's a much better defender, much better passer, much better rebounder. So it's good to see the next stars um starting to to do some good things. Yeah, but if you, if you can hit that at times, it makes you have to respect his outside shot. So it, in turn, it makes it easier for him to end up getting getting to the rack. I think without Sobey, they need to be giving him more minutes.
Yeah, for sure. Um, couple couple more things I want to touch on, or what, one more thing I want to touch on, and then we'll we'll move on from round fourteen or get to our vote, our votes and awards for this week. Cody, the New Zealand Breakers and the Cairns Taipans, neither of them can take a trick. So you have a look at the Taipans, and they and they get caught Noy back, they get Jared Kenny back, but then at the same time they lose to Jim McCall. Um, you know, they, they tried hard against the Sydney Kings, but they came up short. And then the Breakers, they get their captain back finally. Tom Abercrombie makes his return. But at the same time, they're still without Yanni Westall, still without Will McDowell-White. And then they also lose Hugo Besson. I mean, neither of them can take a trick, can they? Well, we've talked before. There's no reason why Wetzel and Rob can't play together. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, Cody, that's been a lot for us to, to dissect. When we come back, though, we'll be speaking to the one and only Damien Martin.
Okay, back on Hoop Seven's Basketball Hustle. We're about to be joined by Damien Martin any moment now, but before we get to him, Cody, let's have our have a look at our Galen Award winner as the best team man in the NBL for round fourteen. And there's some some good nominations again. Now, every time I've said this before, when I've thought there's an obvious choice, it's ended up never going towards that that person. But but, but again, I think there's a standout candidate here, but. I won't influence your decision. So I'll run through the list I've come up with. I thought Isaiah Liafa came up with two really good performances again at both ends for the Phoenix. Jason Kadee stepping up huge now without Nathan Sobey especially as a leader more than anything with the Brisbane Bullets, but also his shot got going when they, they beat the Breakers on Monday as well. Shay Yelly, he's already been nominated twice, but I think we have to keep putting him in there because of everything he's doing for Melbourne United. Mitch Norton, I thought he was really important for the Wildcats against the 36ers. Xavier Cooks, for everything we talked about before, I think he has to be in, in the mix. And two players at the Illawarra Hawks, both Xavier Radden Mays and Antonius Cleveland. Tyler Harvey had a had a horrible game against the Phoenix. One point he, he had, and that came in the last minute of the game. But Radden Mays and Cleveland were huge in making sure that they beat the Phoenix and got that important road win. Um is, does one person jump out at you, or is it a, a tough decision again, Cody? Oh, yeah, he did. Yep. Two, two, yeah, it was two threes, and then he got a got an end one, too. Yeah, I totally agree. And Ryan Gorgian as well, post-game, he couldn't have spoke more highly of, of what what Cleveland did, and he felt Cleveland was the difference as well. Um, it's, it's the energy, though, isn't it? I mean, it's it, it, it's 
what he does to get his hands in those passing lanes and die for the loose ball and then to turn it into breakaway dunks like he does, which turns games. And he also spent time in that game guarding Mitch Creek, which is no small task, but he did a pretty good job with that too. Antonius Cleveland is the winner of the Galen Award for this week. I, again, you've made a really good point. I, I initially thought Jason Kadee, but you've sold me. You've sold me, and I'm very happy with Antonius Cleveland, but still happy for Jason Kadee. For we've all, always known how well he can shoot, but now to get nine assists, which I think is a career high for him, and to be a leader on that team, it's great to see. But he'll he'll have plenty more chances to get nominated for this award. So we'll go with Antonius Cleveland for this week, and as you said. We'll leave the Damo Award to Damo, and let's, let's chat to him now. Okay, now a familiar voice on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. He was a co-host for a short time before he got a better offer, but that there has been sometimes known as the six-time champion, the six-time best defensive player. Damien Martin, thanks for rejoining us here on the show. Oh, thanks for having me back. I didn't, you've been ignoring my phone calls for weeks now, so I'm glad that I finally got through. Uh, and the, the man that has replaced you on the show, Cody Ellis, um, what, what comes to mind when you think of Cody and the battles that you had with him over the years? Well, one, he's doing a much better job than I ever did being able to co-host uh, with your bikes. So it's great having Codes on the show and hearing his feedback and input and, and his basketball IQ definitely comes through the airwaves. So oh, when it comes to Cody, you just knew that if, if, you did, if you gave him any room, there's a good chance he's going to drain a three on your head and he's always going to be physical as well. So, you know, I'm probably, I'm sure he hates comparisons, but pretty much our game plan on Cody was very similar to how we uh, assume people had a game plan on someone like a Jesse Wagstaff. So a very good pick-and-pop player, knew he was going to play at 100%, go, go for every 50-50 possession and, uh, and not take any shortcuts. So, yeah, very, very talented player. And obviously, with the surname that he carries, certainly uh, lived up to uh, lived up to that name for sure. I'm sure you probably hate that comparison, Cody. Huh, I mean, hard to <laughs> hard to hate a comparison to Jesse Wagstaff, man. But uh, yeah, no, look, appreciate that demo. Um, obviously, had uh, plenty of battles against you guys. Um, you know, you guys uh, probably won more than more than I got to win, but uh, that's that's all right. Um, no, I, I always loved battling against you guys. It was always lots of fun, whether it was in the jungle or or um, over east. But uh, yeah, it, it was always uh, always a tough battle. And it is funny because I dare say, because Bevo, I know Bevo was really keen on getting Cody in with us. It's just that at the time, you know, we had Sean Redditch, who was probably top three power forward in the league, and Jesse Wagstaff, who I think in his prime was top four or five. You know, you look at Nick yep. Lacona, Sean Redditch, they're probably one and two at the time. And then after that, 
you know, Daniel Johnson was more of that center position. So when I think of bigs, uh, you know, I think Jesse Wagstaff was right there. It's just that he chose to stay and happened to back up, you know, the best point power forward at the time. Otherwise, Jesse probably would have started anywhere else and Bevo would have done whatever it took to, to bring Cody in. So sometimes it's a matter of opportunity and uh, sometimes opportunity relies on timing and it's just really bad timing, unfortunately, uh, from a Wildcats perspective to try and get Cody because we were stacked in that position. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, that's something that I had looked at coming out of college as well. Um, Cause you know, like you said, I, I'd spoken to Bevo. We'd been in contact a fair amount and he was certainly interested um, in, in getting me in. And, you know, that was always, always a dream of mine was to play for the Cats, uh, obviously. But, you know, had I have come in, I would have been playing third, fourth fiddle. Um, and, you know, with a fiance and a, and a little six month old coming out of college, I, I probably, had to take the opportunity that was best for me and the family, and and that was Sydney at that time. And obviously, looking back, I'd, I'd probably make that that same call uh, every time, just just to look out for the fans. But uh, to be part of the Wildcats would would have been amazing. And um, obviously, your guys' success was uh, was world record worthy, really, um, and still is. So uh, it's something that I certainly don't hold against the Cats at all, um, because I, I knew you know how good how good you guys were in, in my position. Yeah, it was just one of those things, unfortunately. But I'm sure you don't want to hear about me talk about <laughs> could have, should have, would have had we had our look <laughs> Well, Damo, um, the reason you left the show here was because you now do a daily daily radio show on SEN with Paul Hazley. A couple of weeks into that now, how's it going? Yeah, it's good fun. And to be honest, because most of my background in radio has been all FM, you know, when I was doing some of the different shows I've been across, I might ask two questions at the four to five minute segment maximum, and then you'll have 12 minutes of music. Being AM, uh, it's the complete opposite. So 12 minutes of interviews and then about four minutes of ads. So we don't play any music. And the amount of prep and research that Hayes does every single day because it's a two-hour show, and like I said, a lot more talking than, than is listening to music. It's uh, yeah, It's been impressive, so I, I'm really, really enjoying it. The team over at SDN have been fantastic just trying to help me and guide me as I, as I learn the ropes of being involved in that style of radio and I think you know as well as anyone Pikey you know don't point out an AFL player and ask me what their name is because I'm all basketball (laughs) and rugby league and all of a sudden now we've got an of the two hours you know a decent hour is dedicated to footy and not just the AFL but waffles so I am trying to speed up my knowledge uh, in the AFL and and waffle communities because right now I just ask a lot (laughs) of questions to Paul Hazelby to try and cover myself but like you said we're two and a half weeks in I think I've run out of all my AFL knowledge so (laughs) See how long I can hold on. Your studio is also at Optus Stadium, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's actually uh, really exciting driving into the stadium. You just forget how big it is and how beautiful it is. And it's just one of those dream locations to be able to pop in. And, and once the AFL begins, obviously, we're every day, Monday through Friday, so it'll be nicer when you know, you've got crowds walking in for an Eagles or Dockers game. I think that energy will become contagious. So, yeah, a really cool studio to be out of. Uh, are you finding that you have to do a, a heck of a lot of homework and, and how much time are you putting into that? Oh, yeah. No, I've got a, a lot of respect for Pikey because he'll be the first to tell you, you know, I'd be saying, hey, can we do can we do the podcast? Can we do the show out of your car today or can you meet me here and do it? And then from my end, it was very much off cuff whereas Pikey put in a lot of work and then yeah. not only in the lead up to it, but then obviously cutting it up, editing, making sure it got to the podcast and, and you know, sounded good. So, yeah, no, I, I, I am trying to get there an hour and a half before each show, we do have a little group chat. So pretty much once the show finishes, we're straight on to who do we want to get in the following day? What topics do we want to cover? 
so on and so forth. So yeah, it is great. It's uh, one of those things I always have enjoyed being a part of in a small, um, you know, one hour here, two hours there. But now to have it as a, you know, a full-time job, it's something I'm embracing and, and hopefully can hold on to for a long time. Love it. How are you juggling everything else? How are things on the home front? How's your real estate business? How's everything else going? Yeah, well, funnily enough, I don't think our real estate business has ever been busier, mm. and that's the beauty of working in a team. So Jonathan Clover, who I you know, was fortunate enough to have a, a few people to choose from when I got my certificate in real estate, uh, he has been brilliant. You know, I, I used to compare him to you know, the Bryce Cotton in real estate. Just absolutely loves it. Uh, the way I love basketball, but has a knowledge and an skill for it, similar to someone like a BC. So he's been fantastic. My wife helps out at home opens and I get to, we try and schedule, you know, the appointments I need to be at around radio. And then obviously on weekends, I'm completely free to do home opens as well. So radio and real estate seem to be working well right now. But if you ask Jonathan, his thoughts on it, he's probably like, oh, I'm doing more than he is. <laughs> but I, I appreciate the help he's given so far. Now, another bit of side business you've got is with Everlast Drinks and they bring us the Best Defensive Player Award, obviously, Damo. You got some votes for us as well this week. Why don't I let you tell us who stood out to you defensively in, in round 14? Well, there was actually a lot. To be honest, of all the rounds, this was probably the toughest because Melbourne, you know, Melbourne have three or four candidates. Yeah. Defensively, they have been brilliant. And you look at JLA, you look at Shay Ely, you know, when, when Delhi's not getting weekly votes, you know someone else must be putting in a great performance because, funnily enough, with how the voting is going, Delhi probably won't win the Defensive Player of the Year award in, in my voting, mm-hmm. but I still regard him as a top two or three defenders in the league. It's just that, you know, JLA is getting so many block shots, so many defensive rebounds. Shea Ely is diving on loose balls, you know, getting deflections, getting steals. You know, it's one through probably, it's probably six guys within the Melbourne team that they are stealing votes for each other. So, um, you know, Melbourne in particular, I think, have been the standout as a team. And I just feel like week in, week out, I've got to give someone some points uh, from them. And, and obviously, I gave two two players the points this week in Illy and JLA. But that's not to say that some of those other guys haven't been incredible. And then Xavier Cooks, uh, he's, he just continues to impress. I think he has been fantastic. When he signed with Illawarra, oh, sorry, everyone thought he was going to sign with Illawarra. When he signed with Sydney, now, obviously, he had some injuries in and out. Still managed to make an Australian team, then more injuries. He, right now, is, I believe, a top six, top seven player in the NBL, and he's doing it at both ends. And so that's why he continues to impress me at the defensive end with the energy, the block shots, the rebounds, getting out and just you know denying guys who are in that same position. Kind of don't mind being a little bit physical, but rarely do you see kind of that 3-4, at sometimes small ball, 5, denying. So his guys not even get an opportunity to touch the ball and, uh, and I, I just think he's been brilliant again. Happy with that, Cody? Yep, absolutely. It's hard to, uh, <laughs> hard to argue against uh, one of the greatest defenders of all time, mate. <laughs> McCarran, uh, like Mitch McCarran, he has five skills, I want to say. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, anytime you can handle, you know, keep opposition opponents well below their averages, you know, you're doing a good job. Sunday Death is still a great defender. Uh, but all these guys, there's just not enough room. I wish you could give me 10 guys to vote for each week, but then I'll probably sleep a little bit better at night. I wanted to get your thoughts on the Redditch Player of the Year Award, Damo. Would you be surprised to learn that in the votes by this scoring machine, Bryce Cotton's now no longer the leader. Jalen Adams has overtaken him. Wow. Well, yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible. I think it's probably more so to the point that 
he can only do a three-two-one, and Vic Law has flat out balling as well. Mm-hmm. And we saw Toddy Blanchfield explode for seventeen in that first quarter. So in Sydney, you know Xavier Cooks and Jalen Adams have been amazing. I don't really know a third guy that's stepping up on a consistent basis. Obviously, Martin is very, very good, but Adams since joining the league, you know. Credit to Sydney for standing by him through all those injuries when they were out of the top four. A lot of people were saying, no, we've got to replace, we've got to bring someone in. He is a special player. And that, you know, and that was a few weeks ago now, but you know, that matchup against Perth, it was the, the Cotton versus Adams show. Could have gone either way, but they are fun to watch. And, and Adams is a big reason why they'll play, I believe, playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. Want to get your thoughts very quickly, Damo. Massive Thursday night game to kick off this round to come. Melbourne United at home to the Perth Wildcats. What are you expecting? Look, in years gone by, in recent years gone by, Perth have been doing really well when playing over in Melbourne. I'm not entirely sure what it is. It usually is around about that top-of-the-table clash. They might just simply be a case of that. So I think the Wildcats looked rejuvenated a couple of days in their own bed, hit the road again, but they finally, finally had a good start and managed to go on with it, despite still showing some weaknesses with the rebounding. But their style of play, when you've got four guys out, you are, you know, unloading quite a few threes. They're rarely going to dominate a rebound count with their style of play, but with the talent they've got, they can shoot it at a good clip and put points on the board quite quickly. So if there still is an Achilles heel, it was originally their starts, which they hopefully will continue to begin like they did a few nights ago and what was it, 15 to 5 beginning. Uh, the rebounding, I know Scott Morrison addressed that and at times the defensive lapses, but they've still got enough potential and lethal weapons offensively that they're simply going to outscore teams and don't get me wrong, they can play D when required and I think we're going to see the extremes against Melbourne who I regard as the best defensive team right now. I think Perth will take it to another level at that end. And instead of it being a you know high scoring game, I think you see it played in the seventies, maybe the low eighties and in the end, you know, I'm I'm biased. I'm gonna go ahead and say the Wildcats are gonna gonna get it done. But this is a huge test for them because they have had a little freshen up a few days at home, so there's not many excuses not to go out there and play their best. It's obviously massive for them to get to come home. Um Jesse Wagstaff lives around the corner from you. Have you have you been able to lay eyes on him? Have you have you been able to see him? Yeah, I finally saw him this morning. So we were dropping our daughters off at school there in the same in the same year. So to see Jesse, and I can confirm that he has changed uh, face mask in those ten weeks. He had a new one on today. So I think he uh, he was great. He's looking fit. He's healthy. A mental freshen up at home, and he was excited. So he was he- heading to the airport about an hour after school drop off. And, you know, three more games on the road and then boom, they come home and close it out with nine home games. That's just incredible. If they can, if they can get two out of three, uh, three out of three, then, you know, that minor premiership is something that becomes very realistic and will be the goal. But no bigger test than Thursday night against the team that is playing some great basketball. That first home game is against the Breakers. Are you on the microphone for it? Will you be back on our TV screens? Yeah, I will be calling some games. I'm not entirely sure whether it's Sean or I doing that first one, but I think we're both chomping at the bit to finally get back mm-hmm. to RAC Arena and watch some basketball. I know it's only 50% capacity right now. Who knows what will happen in the next few weeks. But just to finally be able to get out there and watch the Wildcats at home is something I'm very much looking forward to, regardless of whether I'm behind the mic or sitting in the stands with my kids. Been fun catching up again, Damo. We'll have to let you go. Have you got one one more for him, Cody? Um, just a just a quick one, Damo. Um, don't have to go too far into it, but just what obviously different style with the Cats this year, uh, with the new head coach and all that sort of stuff. What 
what are the big things that you see that are that are completely different compared to like your Wildcats teams with with Trev at the helm? With Trev, we kind of knew that if it was a kick ahead, and if it was a kick ahead to say a Bryce on wing, one wing, or if Norto happened to be out running the lanes or Tariko White, if it was a kick ahead, we backed them every single possession, regardless of time of score, essentially, to go and make a play, whether they want an on-ball screen, wanted to go one-on-one, a pull-up three, or get on the ring. If it wasn't a kick ahead, or we did and there was nothing on, then you could pretty much guarantee we were going you know, to our flex system, which meant we were yep. then going to utilise that middle 10 to 12 seconds with some movement before going into either a post play or getting it to Bryce late in the clock or whoever it may have been. Whereas right now, it's typically four out, one in, and that time's five out, a bit of small ball, on-ball screens, utilising some individual talent, and then finding the shooters with the spacing they create. You're seeing Norto playing the dunker spot, and he just yep. dominated that. He was brilliant in their last game. Bryce is the facilitator. It's just a headache because you don't know who to leave now because of where they're positioning players and, and the way Toddy shot it, obviously, as well. So it's, it's free-flowing for longer parts of the shot clock, and, and that's where it can be fun to watch but also sometimes we don't flatten out the offense if we don't roll it into a post. So I'd love to see this play a little more inside out, but in saying that, it's hard to criticize the offense when they're doing as well as they, they are. And, you know, Vic Law, Bryce Cotton, those two, I believe, are first-team All-NBL. And then if mm-hmm. Toddy Blanchfield, Travers, Jesse, Norto are the ones that are, you know, that third, fourth player playing their roles to the best of their ability, but they're tough to stop at the offensive end because of that spacing because of that individual skill set. And there still are rules. Some people say it's kind of a bit willy-nilly. It's not. Everyone understands their role within that offensive structure. I love it. They're complete extremes. Obviously, Trev's work and the style of play, you know, works for that team we had. This one, a slightly different team, and guys are embracing it and their roles within it. So it's amazing that you can have complete opposites but still still function. Right. Yeah, look, for, for me, just outside looking in, it, it seems like... Um, they are trying to be more of that potent scoring team, um, whereas you guys just have that bias on defense that they don't seem to have this year yet. I think they've got the personnel to do it. Um, you know, you guys would, would be able to just drag a game um, and, and make it really tough um, to, to put points on the scoreboard. Um, and, and I think that's something that the Cats probably need to, to do if they're going to be a legit contender. Um, like I said, they've certainly got the personnel to do it. But I think they've just got to have that bit more of a buy-in. Yeah, and because when you're in the flex, you've got two, you know, two bigs or two players on the block, which means you've got your rebounding principles. So you've got yep. your two rebounders regarding what position they are. The guard is always going to, you know, run back through the elbows in case there's a little tip out. Two guys back on safety. When it's four out, one in, or potentially five out, you're not there if the ball goes through the hoop to have a big immediately on the ball, which, you know, a la Jesse Wagstaff, Matty Knight, Sean Redditch, and you've gone by, and then a guard picking up full court because we've now seen the point guard having to get back on safety purely because of their location on the court when the shot goes up. So because of the offensive spacing, it does influence our pickup points defensively, uh, and I think we're seeing a little bit more half-court defense opposed to that, you know, attacking style, run and jump with the four men making reads if they want to go and press. We're not seeing as much pressing after a score. I used to love, I don't know if my teammates loved it, but I used to love calling some presses immediately after a score, even if we had yeah, to close it out in a timeout. <laughs> and it's a bit hit or miss, don't get me wrong, it didn't always work, but we're not seeing that uh, as much right now, whether it's something they keep up their sleeve, whether it's something Nordo starts calling out, uh, but it's just one of those things I have noticed. If it's not a free throw, we don't really get into anything after just a score. 
yeah, for sure. It was always a nightmare with, with you and Jesse or you and Sean coming across the double in that backcourt. That was always uh, very frustrating. And, and yeah, look, it, it's got to be tough. Obviously, different systems. So, you know, like you mentioned, you don't have that big up and, and on the ball straight away. And, you know, 90% of the time, that was Jesse. And he, he was so good at that sort of stuff. So just dragging him a bit further away from the ringer um, makes a bit more sense. But, yeah, man, I mean, look, they're still lots of fun to watch. And I think... Like Chris and I mentioned earlier in the in the show, if Todd can use this weekend as, as a bit of a confidence boost and, and keep going and be that third scorer for them, I think they're a, a dangerous team. Yeah, you, and I love that they keep going back to him. You know, yeah. Todd's one of those guys that, you know, because he's really good at spacing, he's so impatient. It's not flex where you know he's going to come off that pin down after he cuts through. At times he can just be out there. Uh, with Vic and Bryce having the ball in their hand. But in that first quarter, they just kept going back to the well. And he was incredible. And then Vic does his thing in the third. Bryce throughout the finish for 27. You know, that's the balance you want to see. And uh, Todd's very much capable of being that on a consistent basis. Absolutely. I could keep listening to you two talk basketball all day, but we need to let, we need to let you go, Damo. It's been fun catching up with you again. I'm glad you can still stay involved with us here on the show. And we'll do it all again in a few weeks' time. Absolutely, no. Count me in, and thanks for finally picking up my phone calls. I'm sorry that I abandoned you. I left you, but you're in better hands. Exactly, on guys. Thanks, Damo. Thanks, Damo. Okay, back on Hoop Seven's basketball hustle, and I hope you all enjoyed. Damien Martin's return to the show. Sound like you enjoyed catching up with him too, Cody. Just in case he didn't have enough on his plate already, he's, he's also a, a celebrant. <laughs> Now, before we get to the round 15 preview, Cody, we've talked a lot about who or if the Adelaide 36ers should bring in an import. I'm I'm kind of of the opinion now at 5 and 11 with 12 games to go, it's a waste of time, to be fair, and a, and a waste of money. But interesting to get your thoughts because it now appears that if anyone comes in, it's going to be Casper Ware. Um, what's your reaction to that? It does mean some of those guys end up spending more time on the bench, though, in turn, doesn't it? Absolutely has to be this week. It has to be for this game on Saturday. Um,
Yeah. That was going to be my point. Like, I don't, I don't think they can save this season, but if you bring him in, do you also sign him for next season and say that we're starting to plan for the next season right now? As you can appreciate, he's in isolation still. I think he's due to get out on Friday in time to coach on Saturday. So so fingers crossed for CJ um, and fingers crossed for their sake that, that Casper's there. If he's going to be there, then it has to be for this week, like you, like you said. But before that, Cody, let's get to Thursday night. As we talked about with Damo just before, um, this is a massive, massive game. Goes without saying, grand final rematch, Melbourne United at home to the Perth Wildcats. What are your thoughts? It's tough. It's tough to see anything else. They've won five straight. They're they're two games clear on top on top top of the table. So um, yep, they are. Friday night, Cairns Taipans back at home. I hope they get a couple of more bodies back as well because at no point this season has Adam Ford got a full team for any game. But um, if the Tasmania Jack Jumpers want to stay in the top four race, they have to win, and they probably have to win just about all their games from from now now on. Yeah, no, it sure is. And I think Cairns beat them up there early in the season as well. A um, yeah. couple of games on Saturday. This is an interesting one. Brisbane Bullets at home to the Wildcats, who we'll get to it shortly, but they're in the middle of playing playing three games in, in, in five days this weekend.
Good luck tipping this next one. It's at the old, the, it's at the old Adelaide Arena, and I assume that means there'll be no fans there unless they do let some thirty yeah. sixes fans in. But that's a bit unfortunate for the Breakers if you're trying to get them to call it a home game. Um, so it's the Breakers against the thirty sixes. Um, both of them have lost their last four games. And probably also who's healthy for both teams. You'd assume so, but as you said, who knows with those two two teams. Um, um, Sunday, triple header again. So it starts. This is an interesting one. As we talked about, the Jack Jumpers need to keep winning, but so do the Illawarra Hawks. So this is another tough one to tip. Twenty two. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Now, this will be a real good one. We know the rivalry that's yeah. naturally there. The South East Melbourne Phoenix up against Melbourne United in, a, in another throwdown. It'll be a good one. Last up on Sunday, this is an interesting one. We saw these two teams play this past Sunday. Now they head up to the far north, Queensland, and the Taipans up against the, the Red Hot. And, and again, the fresh Sydney Kings, this will be their first game in a week, and they come into it on a five-game winning streak and still trying to break into the top four. <laughs> well, we, we, we tried. We tried. All, all, we, all we can do is try.
it, it, yeah, it, it's hard to see them not. Um, last game of the round, Monday, back down in Hobart, New Zealand Breakers hosting the Wildcats, and this will be, as we've talked about, the last road game of the season for the Wildcats. They'll come back after this and, and play nine straight games at home. Just quickly, if Wetzel's back for the Breakers and there's no Hodgson for the Wildcats, is that is that a is that a danger sign for the Wildcats? Maybe Jack Purchase actually gets some gets some game time after all. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So that's a lot to look forward to, Cody. And that's been a been a big show for us to get through. I hope everyone's enjoyed tuning in. Thank you to Hoop Seven for making it possible once again. Check them out at hoop7.com.au or if you're in Perth, head to their store on Murray Street. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Damien Martin joined us. I hope you enjoyed Cody Ellis's insights. We'll be back again next week and hopefully. You'll be out of isolation, Cody. Hopefully, you'll be back to normal. And we'll also catch up with Rob Beveridge. Look forward to it. Thanks, thanks once again, Cody. And, yeah, let's look forward to round 15 in the NBL.